All right, as so often happens to Shane and I, right as we wrapped up on today's podcast, breaking news coming across the timeline. This is something that we'd hinted at for a couple podcasts now. We knew it might happen, but Jacob Young, Rutgers guard, commits to the University of Oregon. I'll actually reference him later on in this podcast. It's like a back to the future moment. But this is, of course, mighty Joe Young's little brother. He played at Rutgers for the last three years, this last season averaging 11.2 points per game. Played at Texas for his freshman year, so this will be his second transfer. That could make eligibility a little bit muddy with the NCAA. It's sounding like he will need to obtain a waiver to get immediate eligibility. We certainly hope that is the case he adds to a very deep team all of a sudden here that Dane Altman has. It was another exodus of guys leaving Aaron Estrada, Jalen Terry, and then just bringing in more guards with Devion Harmon, Wings, Rivaldo Soares, Quincy Gettier, which we're going to talk about later on. And now, of course, Jacob Young also to pair up with Will Richardson. This is going to be a very, very competitive team in the Pac-12 and potentially in the entire country we will see where the rankings fall but with incredible depth on the front line bringing in some really high level scoring now in this backcourt this is going to be a dangerous team for anybody to play especially when march comes around Welcome to the Flock Pod, hashtag 077. We are here in the beautiful condo. The Avatarier producers are hanging out with us here on the ones and twos. I think Sokka is going to be my main uh, like assistant producer today. He seems to be the most involved, going to be the most helpful. Mm-hmm. Please he coming go- up and trying to evaluate my notes. Just right? Yeah, he ago. did. Yeah, if you want to double check production uh-huh. notes, make sure everything was good. Uh, if you have not yet, please go like, subscribe, and give us some rates on all of those lovely podcast streaming platforms. My favorite of late has been Spotify, but go wherever you feel. We could use a little bit more on the Apple Store, so if you are mm-hmm. listening on an iPhone, if you could please just go give us that five-star rating. That would really help us out and maybe raise us up in the algorithm just a skosh. You can find us on social media platforms at the Flock Pod. You can find myself at on those same social media platforms at Coach Justin D. Shane! Tell them where you are. You can find me on the Twitterverse at BartenderShane6 and on uh, Instagram. I forgot what Instagram was called there for a second. At Walk up, Flock up, Shane 6 Well, there's so many names, like the IG, the Gram, you know, all these cool little phrases, you know, that the kid, I don't know, man. The Gram's cool. We talked about it. Instagram's like for the cool mm-hmm. kids. Like, I just, I don't know. We, we're, we're good on Twitter, which, <laughs> please, if you have not yet, please go give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a like on the old Facebook, all almost that good to, stuff. Uh, we're almost to 700. Almost 700. We've been, we've been creeping up. We've been creeping up, which you love to see. Okay. We got a great podcast for you today. We are going to stay duck centric for a few of our conversations today, but we are going to ramble into the weeds of the NBA playoffs because we just can't resist. First and foremost, though, we have to talk about the baseball regional. The Ducks are the 14 seed coming in. Men's basketball gets another big pickup and maybe another one here in the wings. We're waiting to hear from that Rutgers guard to see what he wants to do. And then, of course, we're going to jump in and do some quack or not to quack, some three takes, all of America's favorite segments. So make sure to stick around and listen to that near the end. But Shane, let's get right into this. So softball doesn't get 
the rating doesn't get to host, and then baseball does. You beat now, me to it. Yeah, both teams, you know, similar seasons, kind of similar ups and downs. Um, why? What do you think went into that decision-making process to get baseball that regional selection? I think softball not getting it was part of it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. it's something that they will never admit to or n- never say publicly. Um, this is true. But I think that the, some of the backlash that was public from Mike White, the former Oregon softball coach, and the just when Oregon lost that final game to Texas, most of the articles I saw, if you just Googled Oregon softball, were about how the NCAA screwed them. Yeah. So yeah. I think the NCAA kind of had that part in mind a tad bit. But if we're going to look at it from purely just a baseball standpoint, I think that Oregon got hot at the right time at the end of the season there. Um, Winning that final series with Cal, finishing second in the Pac-12, I think did give them that kind of bump where Oregon softball finished, I believe, fourth in the Pac-12. I think that's more what it was. And because you see that in the NCAA tournament for basketball sometimes, too, where they really take into consideration how a team finished. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point. I mean, I, 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 as much as anybody, want to lean into the NCA being a four-letter word. Don't get me wrong. But in this situation, to me, that makes the most logical sense. So the Ducks will be having their first pitch at 2 p.m. on Friday over at PK Park. They're going to be taking on Central Connecticut, Central Connecticut State, Central Connecticut not really sure. Not really sure. It's different everywhere you not look. Not really sure if it matters. <laughs> That's also very, very true. I do like this quote from a good old... Uh, Mark Wasikowski. Have we been calling him Mike Wasikowski this whole time? No, we 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 joke about the Mike Wasikowski thing from Monsters Inc., but it's Mark Was. And then I it, think it, I've it, said Mike too many it, times. It's, it's bled together yeah. a couple times because it was Mike Wasowski and Monsters Inc. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think okay. I I take responsibility for that. I think I leaned into that a little bit too much. But yeah, Ducks have finished this regular season thirty-seven and fourteen overall, making their eighth postseason appearance of all time. Uh, Mark had a great quote here. Um, I'm reading the uh, OregonLive.com article. Uh, Thrilled to be honored to get into the tournament first of all, and then to host is outstanding. Uh, he goes on to say this was part of the vision and the dream, and we're going to do our best to fulfill this dream and this vision that so many people had. How many times do you think? practice that quote in the mirror because that's like that ends and finishes i mean that lines up really nicely oh yeah that was very well written (laughs) that was that was pretty solid right there but it's going to be a tough situation here for the ducks it's a tough region it's a really tough regional with gonzaga and lsu both coming in here to eugene oregon to take on the ducks their first game will be on friday at 7 p.m tickets are a little it's kind of murky how to get tickets necessarily there's some vaccinated tickets there's some non-vaccinated tickets so go check out goducks.com if you are interested in attending yeah, and just to get into some of these matchups with these other teams. So Gonzaga and Oregon did play once earlier this year. Not too long ago, right? Yeah. No, before we do that, Shane, I want to ask you, does the Pac-12 need a baseball championship tournament? Because I saw like the SEC had a baseball tournament. I watched a little bit of that. I think uh, the ACC, anything, no, Big 12. Big 12 had one. I watched a little bit of that too. Just to get a little bit of that flavor, you know, do you, would you like to see the Pac-12 have a baseball tournament? You know how I feel about conference tournaments. I know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty against them. I think that we basically, throughout the regular season this year, we figured out who the top teams were. Mm-hmm. I think that it was pretty clear that Oregon was the second best team in the Pac-12. I, I mean, it, it would... I, I just don't think that a, a 
a conference baseball tournament would garner the national attention to make it worth it. Valid. Where okay. I think a basketball tournament does. Yep. And no, all I, that. I hear you. I hear you. Valid. Okay, let's jump into some of these matchups. Tell all me right. about Gonzaga. So, yeah, Gonzaga and Oregon played not that long ago. I believe it was a little bit over a month ago. And Oregon did win that matchup 10-3. to Stomped um, them. Yeah. They have not played LSU. And this is where it gets real interesting. So, LSU, uh, their coach... I didn't write his name down, but he's been there for, I believe, 14 years. Um, they won the national championship in 2009. This is going to be his last season. He oh. said before the season that he is hanging up the cleats after this. So these LSU players are going to have a lot to play for. That's uh, Paul Minieri? Oh, that's why I didn't write it down. Yeah, that's a tough last name for sure. That's a tough one. So he's pulling a Coach K because Coach mm-hmm. K announced the other day that he's going. He's going to retire after this season. Um, yeah, that's some definite motivation. Right, and so that's something. That's some bulletin board material that Oregon is going to have to potentially go up against. Now, this Gonzaga team isn't a slouch team by any means, so it's we can't say that you know look too far in the future here. Gonzaga definitely has a chance to beat LSU and LSU having kind of a down year, but I think they, they've won multiple SEC championships and they've been a, a top tier program for some time. And there you can bet on them having probably the highest recruited players out of any team in this regional. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I mean, the ducks have, like you mentioned, never played LSU. They've never played central Connecticut. They have a 20 and two all time record versus Gonzaga. So that's, that's an ownership of that matchup there. But I, I guess the, the big story that I'm taking away from this whole thing is it's just fun to have baseball back at Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's fun to have reached these heights. This is something we talked about. You know, could could Mark Wasikowski get this program to these levels? And to see him doing this so quickly after George Horton left the program, it's really impressive because I, I think he's he's exceeding even our high expectations for what this mm-hmm. program could do. And it was a fairly controversial hire at the time. Absolutely. I remember Absolutely. we did those podcasts leading up to the hire. I mean, his name was, I think it was on our list, but very, very low. And we were looking at more of these like high profile coaches that were going to come in predominantly from the South and kind of re- bring in that recruiting pipeline from these states that churn out all these top tier uh, baseball products. But the Waz has done a good job of taking what he had, taking a lot of local kids and, really turning them into a, a different style team too. Yep. And we've seen Gabe Matthews yep. emerged being like one of the better players in program history. Um, Setting records staff. all over the place. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's going to own them all by the mm-hmm. end of it. And then the pitching staff really turning things around. I mean, Alstrom, another local kid who's going to probably take the bump on Friday and really, I mean, he's going to put his money where his mouth is, but he's had a great season. He so really has. He really has. And he's, I like the way that you talked about the local kids and the local products having such an impact and putting their fingerprints really all over this program. And I think that's really smart by Coach Waz to lean into that a little bit more because he's got a couple more coming in from the local, from this area also next year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's only setting the bar of achievement. So what's what's your prediction here, Shane? What are you calling? Do you think the Ducks get out of this regional? Well, I think that this regional being at PK Park is huge. Um Oregon is six and two all time in the postseason at PK Park. This season they were twenty one and seven. Um, their home ERA is two point six one, where their away ERA is four point seven. And so I think that it's going to be we're going to lean really hard into the pitchers, like we were just talking about Allstrom. Um, and within that, I think this kind of small ball pitchers friendly park is going to be the thing that actually sends Oregon out of the regional win in this thing. All right. I like it. I like the call. I also think the Ducks are going to win this regional. I think it's just 
all the success that they've had here near the end of this season. Um, I really like Alstrom's quote here at the end of this article too, where he's saying, you know, I think we've got more in the tank. We haven't really peaked yet. I think that's a, that's a really important mindset to have as an athlete too, where you're still pushing forward and pushing forward. And I think it's going to be a little weird for LSU playing at PK Park. I, I read that they average 10,000 people at every game. Okay. Yeah. Like welcome to PK a, Park then, buddy. Yeah. So it's going to be a little, a little different, quiet. a little different, a little different. And I think that that kind of uh, environment, actually might play into the Ducks' hands a little bit more, too. And, I mean, Duck fans are going to be excited to be out there. You mm-hmm. know, this is this is one of their first opportunities to really get out there and support a team wearing the green and yellow. Um, just because of the shenanigans that took place with Oregon softball, I'm just going to throw this little nugget out there. They actually have, so, you know, there's there's game five and game six scheduled for Sunday, which is kind of the winners, you know, making because it's double elimination. And then, you know, they just have game seven scheduled already on Monday. So we're not having no, <laughs> we're not having any late Sunday night action like we did with Haley Cruz and softball. They are just going to go ahead and schedule that game for a Monday, which I think is the the right decision there for sure. Especially with baseball games being longer than absolutely, games, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump on over to another round ball. Dana Altman picking up another transfer here, a six foot seven wing out of Syracuse, Quincy Gettier. Get Gettier? Is Gary that what, yeah, I think that's how we yeah. decided. Yeah, I mean, you're saying a lot cooler than I will. I can't I got that. My, I, got my, I mean, my last name's Pluid. I got that French in me. You know, uh-huh. it was Plourde before we uh-huh. got to Ellis Island, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, career, he averages 13.7 points, 8.4 rebounds. Oh, no, that, excuse me. That was in 2020, 2021. In 28 games for the Qs, he put up about 14 points, about 8.5 boards. Uh, 20.9 PER is what I've got here on sportsreference.com for college basketball. Uh, what can you tell me about him, Shane? Uh, so he is going to kind of fill that Eugene Amaruri spot. Okay. Uh, he, he can shoot the ball from outside. I did a pretty good deep dive into his highlights at Syracuse and a little bit of his high school stuff from before that. He's got a pretty good jumper. It's serviceable. He can definitely hit the three, I'd say, and like a trailing in transition. But in half-court sets, I don't really see them drawing up a lot of plays to get him the ball outside. I was going to say he's a career 26% three-point shooter, but that's including a, a 12% from the 1920 season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, shot it at 31% last year. You're good, and you'd like to see that number up there a little bit higher. But if he's just running some of those trail threes or maybe some of those pick-and-pop threes, it's a little bit of a different animal. What I do really like about him is, and this is my uh, used to play post in high school kind of stuff coming out here, but he fights for a position uh, like nobody will ever see. I like mean, it. And he does, he has great um, fundamentals when even just trying to get the ball, wide shoulders, wide elbows, points his chest out at the, the ball handler, and is able to kind of beat his man before he even gets the ball. Once he gets it, he can just use his raw strength and athleticism inside. Doesn't have a plethora of post moves. Ooh, plethora. But he One does. of my favorite words. <laughs> but when, what he does have, he's kind of like perfected those moves, and he's, gonna able, he's able to get his shot really well from the block and from the block extended. I think his most valuable asset is just going to be raw athleticism. He's an excellent, excellent two-foot, two-hand dunker. He can even dunk in traffic with two hands off two feet, which normally the in traffic dunker is a little bit more one footed. And within that two foot leaping ability too, that is where a lot of his shot blocking ability comes in. You you know, as I look through some of these other stats here on this sportsreference.com page, it looks like he's got some, some hidden abilities here because his, his, further analytics are actually looking cleaner than some of his more pure analytics. I mean, if you look at a, you know, per hundred possessions, he's averaging 24 points a game shooting percentage, you know, he's shooting the, from the 
field overall 49.3%. So, I mean, he looks like he's a, he knows what he's good at and he plays within himself. And that speaks a little bit to what you said mm-hmm. you saw on film. Do you see a uh, true shooting percentage over there? Uh, true shooting percentage. Of course, I'm talking about all these fancy analytics and then I'm <laughs> trying to find well, while, it here. While you're talking about that, one of the concerns that I had watching him play, uh, I don't know if he can dunk with one hand. I think he might have a oh, little he bit might of only small, be a, okay. All small right. hand syndrome. Like Jimmy Butler is one of those guys as well. I do have true shooting. Uh, I got a fifty-five point seven percent true shooting percentage, which is pretty That's solid good. for a for a six foot seven forward. Especially somebody who's not the best three point shooter. Yeah, uh, which means he's serviceable at the line, which uh, is something that's going to come in handy down the line here. So he did play at Syracuse. Obviously, they play a lot of zone defense there. He he looks great, and his his, his zone defensive instincts are fantastic and within that a lot of his shot blocks come from kind of the weak side help but that is something that this Oregon team really had a hard time with last season was once guys kind of broke into the middle there wasn't a lot of guys who were going to stop the shot from from the the outside you know i mean we didn't rotate very well last year and we didn't have a lot of size when we did rotate if it wasn't eugene rotating down i mean lj and eric did what they could but they weren't they're not shot blockers Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they're not um i mean it does look like quincy averaged a block a game there at syracuse which blocks are tough you know you never really want to say it's hard to take a block stat and like be like oh he's a good shot blocker you've really got to just kind of watch him play right um but you do like to see that activity and that's why i also like the high rebound percentage because like you're saying it shows how hard he does work and he does his work early Mm -hmm. and sometimes he gets his positioning can be a little detrimental to rebounding ability i saw this couple times he gets kind of put in Tricky situations just because he did dig himself such deep position down a one block that when it does get swung around, he is kind of in, in an ill spot to try and get that board on on that side of the ball. But that is a problem that if you're a coach, you live with all day, every day. Yeah, it's effort. You mm-hmm. love effort. I mean, uh, you always want an effort mistake as opposed to a mental mistake. But the, the one thing that I saw in watching his highlights that I am absolutely in love with is his ability to play defense in the press. I like it. I think he is going to be the head of that full court press that we Ooh, see off okay. the shots. Okay. I think he has the length and the size where he almost kind of reminds me. Remember those brief moments where we got C.J. Walker at the top of the zone? <sighs> Do I ever? Or the top of the press, sorry. Do I ever? Mm. I miss CJ. I hope he does well in the NBA. Me too. But uh, it, it reminds me a lot of CJ Walker's ability in that specific. Mm. I mean, so he sounds somewhat similar. He players. sounds more like an LJ Figueroa to me then, with the way that yeah, you're talking take about. Take away him. the shooting. Okay. Take okay. away. I mean, he's not going to be a corner shooting threat. I, I don't think. Okay. Okay. So he's a uh, <laughs> he's a less shot blocking Kenny Wooten. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, I actually, okay. I actually like okay. that a lot. Right. And I mean, and I do think that he may have an uh, opportunity within this defense, within the Dana Altman kind of world, to improve some of those defensive numbers. And I think mm-hmm. that might be what he hangs his hat on by the end of this season. Okay, all right. Well, we need that because we've got guys that can score the ball. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. The Ducks have a bunch of guys that are coming back that can score the ball. And to have rangy wings and forwards like that around Dante, around Kepnong, around Biddle, because that's the one thing that I do worry a little bit about Biddle, too, is just his foot speed and being able to stay in front of guys. So having high defensive IQ players around him is a really, really smart decision. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention that, yes, he is another Canadian. He is from uh, the Thetford Academy, and it looks like he's coming out of, oh, I just had it up here, Quebec? 
I think it was Quebec. Yeah, it was Quebec. Yeah, right out of Quebec. Six foot seven, two hundred twenty pound forward. So, welcome to Eugene Quincy. Hopefully, we'll see you soon on campus. Not sure what the plan is there, but Dana Altman once again goes to that Canadian pipeline and just continues to fill those cupboards. Speaking of cupboards. The Blazers were playing with an empty cupboard last night, Shane. And we don't, again, we don't necessarily get into too much NBA Blazer talk. But if you have a Twitter, you understand why we're talking about Damian Lillard today. Because he lit the world on fire last night. And I don't necessarily want to get into all the minutia of, okay, what does this mean for the Blazers? What does this, you know, what does this mean going forward? What's going to happen in game six? All that kind of stuff. I simply just want to kind of have like an appreciation a moment for Dame. Because I found myself... In, in awe, not just of the shots he was taking and making, but the way that he was creating those shots, his footwork, his strength, his IQ. I mean, that was a just a basketball savant kind of performance last night. Yeah, and I think it really showed the... Uh, and again, I didn't get to watch this performance because, well, capitalism sucks. NBA sucks. Yeah. Get your TV contracts figured out. Uh-huh. But... Uh, it really speaks to like the the mindset of Damian Lillard. Yeah. That in this type of game, like even when like you kind of recognize that the team is maybe, you know, not firing on all cylinders, CJ's not having a great night and the, the role players aren't stepping up as much, and he's able to level up mm-hmm. and just read the situation and I mean I, I I thought it was kind of funny, like going back to the Twitter thing and people were talking about like how can you lose a game if he scores 55 points I'm like well if everybody else is hitting shots he's not scoring 55 points and that's the thing I kept telling uh, my girlfriend last time we were watching the game is like he's still passing how is he still even passing to his teammates so you see that he is trying to make that correct basketball play all the time and the play that's going to get dissected the most last night was the the and I'm going to say the errant pass that Dame made that got tipped by Gordon and then CJ McCollum's trying to play that tip he catches the basketball but he's on the sideline footsteps out of bounds it's a massive turnover it pretty much sealed the game for the Denver Nuggets unfortunately but that's another one of those situations where I just want Dame to keep the ball like mm-hmm. you saw CJ open, but that was two seconds ago. You can't make that pass late, and no one else is shooting. No one else is hitting right now. So just just stay in your world and force a triple team if you have to, and then look to pass the basketball. It so, was also double overtime. You're talking about both those guys have been oh, on the court for 55 he was minutes. Gas. Yeah, he was gas, and you could see it. And even in the the media availability after the game, he just looked dejected. Mm-hmm. Just just exhausted and dejected. So hopefully he gets to go home, get a little bit of family recuperation and then they're they're hitting the road so which i mean a lot of people kind of read into that dejectiveness as being like a you oh, know, he's leaving yeah oh, he's... a precursor to him leaving but i i just think it's, it's brutal to lose a game that way and i i appreciate damian lillard's whole like when you go and you read some of the things that people are saying about this team and just like the rip city twitter as a whole it's a very toxic place that damian lillard's mentality is so opposite of what most blazer fans think yep. and just the way that most blazer fans like interpret and digest basketball mm-hmm. he's a complete 180 on those other people he's like this is my team i want to win with this team mm-hmm. everybody else is like fucking trade everybody and uh, let's move the team and uh, we gotta like shake everything up and it's, it's not the case it's we we have some dudes on this team i I mean, you've been more pro trading CJ than I have, and this is true. I think that you know your your dream trade. I don't know if it's your dream trade, but the one that made the most sense to me were trading CJ for Ben Simmons in a 
Joel Embiid got hurt, Shane. Sixers get knocked out. It might still be there. Maybe. But, I mean, I I do think that Simmons would have helped them in a game like this. And just having another person out there that is versatile enough to guard bigs and wings would have definitely helped. Not having Carmelo Anthony guard Nikola Jokic would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Although, I will give Melo credit. He really did hold his own. And people need to stop shitting on him for being a turnstile defender. It was okay. But all of that being said... I like watching those dudes more yeah. than I like watching Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Would that change if he was wearing a Blazer uniform? Maybe. I, well, and at some point, what you're, what you're hitting on here is important. It's just like, just enjoy being a fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, fan is, is, is short for fanatic. Allow yourself to be a little fanatical about it, you know? Like, Damian Lillard had one of the all-time greatest playoff performances last night. Like, probably a top 15, top 20 individual performance. All time. Yes, they lost, and that sucks. I understand yeah. that you, it is a heartbreaking moment, but fucking come on. Like, let's give the guys flowers instead of shitting on everybody exactly, else. Exactly. The guy goes for 55 and 10, the first player in NBA history to ever do that. And all Blazers Twitter and all social media can talk about is, well, we got to trade Rocco and CJ and blah, blah, blah. Rocco missing two dunks is pretty, pretty bad. I would have, after he missed that first one, I don't know if I would have put him back in the game as a coach. Well, I don't think you or I would have traded for him either. No, that definitely, I would have traded for him two years ago, but yeah. I, I wouldn't have traded a first round pick for him this year unless I got PJ Tucker back also. Can you imagine if PJ mm. would have just, this team, okay. We, we could, this team needs some motherfuckers, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I like Mello's mentality. And I just, that's what I kept finding myself last night is Gary Trent would have been that dude mm-hmm. or maybe would have been that dude. And that's, that's not shitting on Norman Powell. That's not saying that CJ McCollum doesn't have the mental fortitude to do it. It's just certain guys can look at a teammate just bawling out of control and then elevate their play along with it. Whereas I think some of these blazers get into a, too much of a, Oh, I'm watching kind of mode now. And, I mean, Denver Air, it does something to you. It takes your legs out, all that kind of stuff for sure. But just just, I mean, just be grateful we have a player like Damian Lillard to root for. You never have to worry about something happening off the court. You never have to worry about him doing something stupid like going to the logo and smushing it with his foot and then complaining about having a water bottle thrown at him afterwards. That was was so dumb, though. But Kyrie knows what he's doing. He's but doing that because he can get walk into the all over the logo the you. entire game. It's not a hockey locker room. But you have to understand, Kyrie knew exactly what he was Who doing when he did that. Fuck? He wanted the media circus to then talk about him and this whole. It just no. He hates that racist ass town. I do too. I've been that there too. once. Yeah, a fucking that too. airport worker said the n word when I was getting our. Our, Boston's uh, a little rough. Our the back of Your a car, luggage. the trunk checked out. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, I I understand his disdain for that town and what those people said about him the moment he left. Yeah, all of that shit. But let's get back to Damian Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> because most, I mean, that's that's why I tweeted last night. I'm just so grateful to be able to yeah. root for a guy like Dame. Mm-hmm. I just I thought that whole Kyrie thing was so overblown. Totally. It was unbelievably but he overblown. But he did it on his own. Anyway, yeah, that's a whole but other it's So a, it's a logo on a court that people walk on. Yeah. You're allowed to step on yeah. the logo. Well, and it's not like Juju doing a whole TikTok dance on the logo either in the middle of the field. True. So there's there's levels to it, right? And, I mean, Boston's now in shambles maybe moving forward. I think the Jalen Brown trade might be on the table now if we maybe. really want to. Oh, CJ and Nurk for Jalen Brown and Robert Williams. Ooh. 
And Robert Williams. They'll cool. never do it. The Celtics yeah. would never do it. But no, anyway, yeah. see, now we're doing it. Now we're talking about trades. No, I mean, we still we're... got game six and seven, Blazer fans, so keep your heads on straight. And the most important, I've been trying to get to this for a second, but the most important stat that I saw from Damian Lillard's stat line last night was three blocks. Yeah. Defensively, he he gets shit on a lot, and so does CJ, because they do, they're not quick laterally. Mm-hmm. They're just not. And so they do get beat off the dribble a lot. But they got good hands. Mm-hmm. And they are active hands. And so I uh, Jordan Kent and Lamar Hurd. Lamar Hurd might be the best color guy in the NBA. He was so good last night. I, I don't like Jordan Kent, but I really, really like Lamar Hurd. I mean, when they had that play um, where Dame got fouled going into his three-point shot, he was like reading. It was like he was reading out of the official's book. Saying, you know, oh, well, his hand got hit there before he got into the pocket and he didn't get displaced. I mean, it, I was even as a basketball, I consider myself a basketball nerd. I was like, well, I didn't know that that was the exact rule. <laughs> that was, it was really impressive just to listen to him talk about it and break it down. So, to everybody, just take a breath. <sighs> we still got game six and seven. We I think still Blazers have, win game six. Seven, I'm a little worried about. Yeah, I think, I think they'll come home. I think they'll win game six as long as it doesn't have that kind of like malaise factor mm-hmm. kind of come into play and it's Which like we saw the, i mean a similar situation two years ago yep. in, the, in the playoffs when portland won the the triple overtime quadruple game? overtime quadruple game, overtime game, game three. denver yeah and that kind of took the heart and soul out of denver the rest of that series so i'm really hoping that that doesn't spill over to the the rest of the series but i think with the way that CJ has kind of been scrutinized and just Dame's overall mentality and just how this team has stayed so tight knit throughout mm-hmm. this entire season. I don't really see that happening to them as much. And I think that Denver, I mean, we talked a lot about Morris shot 25 Morris. points. Austin Rivers having 18 the game before that. Jokic <laughs> is the best basketball player in the world right that now. That pass. I mean, you talked about it before, but that pass that he made over that was the best uh, player all year. That was uh that was a water polo lob from the five spot, like right over the goalie's head. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you don't even means. know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that was amazing. I cause I was reading a lot about that play before I actually was able to see it. And then I hopped on Twitter yeah. and it was one of the the highlights that I was able to see. And it was like, dude, that was that was the best basketball play I saw this entire It was season. magical. It was yeah. I mean it's that's a corny word to use, but it was a magical pass to be able to get it to that. And that, it was a huge play. MPJ and that why we didn't foul out MPJ before he had the chance to take that shot is a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. And I I've defended Terry Stotts a lot. Over the last couple months, I was not defending him last night. I mm-hmm. was ready to send him on his way last night, well, like a lot of Twitter was. So, I, From what I understand, pretty weird coaching from both sides in this game. Yeah. It seemed like the game kind of got away from everybody. And it's it's Michael Malone. Don't call him Mike, because yeah. he'll get very upset. Michael Malone. Yeah, how do you not foul Dame? How are you not sending? Con- they finally started like just straight up doubling him to try to get the ball out of his hands, but then Dame would just dribble around Jokic, which I found really entertaining. Yeah, because he's not quick enough to really stay in front of anybody well, either. And then... With about eight seconds left on the clock, or nine seconds left on the clock, you sit MPJ and Jokic, and, and you get, get a chance coming back. back. Yeah, in. it was yeah. that was beautiful to me as but a yeah, Blazer that, fan. That shot at the end of regulation, there's literally no reason not to foul Dame. Yeah, absolutely. Or the end of first overtime. Yeah, you have to foul him there. You have to just put him on the free throw line. So There wasn't even anybody in foul nope. trouble that was around him. No, nope. very, very <laughs> questionable play yeah. calling. Very, very questionable coaching on both sides. It's going to be a really fun series to see how it plays out. Our flock pod bracket is awesome 
all over the place. And we'll I'm feeling to, a lot better about our Clippers pick. I am now. too. I yeah. am too about the Clippers pick. Not so much about the the 76ers pick now with Embiid having that partially torn meniscus. So we'll see what all happens right. there. Well, I think they still get it done tonight. I think that team's good it's enough the to Wizards. win without them. Yeah, I'm not worried. It's the next round that I think that they'll falter. It's a partial tear. Yeah. So he'll be able to go. Well, I he's got it, he's got top of the line medical in there to help him out. We'll see what happens. Because mm-hmm. they yeah. would be. Who do they? Who would they? Who do they play in the next round? Uh, the Hawks the, or the yeah. Knicks? Probably the Hawks. Probably the Hawks. Yeah, which has been a great series in itself. And okay, I think they could beat them without Embiid. Probably. Yeah, I don't know about that. That'll be a, that'll be a fun series, and we definitely will do another uh, flock pod bracket once the next round is set up and see what kind of picks change for us. But uh, with that said, games. we're gonna use this opportunity Tough. to take a quick break. That was District mm-hmm. Five. Now we're the Ducks. Yeah. And the Ducks yeah. are undefeated. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a strong rhyme to step to. Think of how many weeks shows just left through. Time's up, I'm sorry I kept you Thinking of this, you keep repeating your miss The rhyme from the microphone solo with So you sit by the radio and on the dial soon As you hear Alright, welcome back here to the condo The Avatarier producers have completely passed out As seems to be their MO here in the second half of the podcast Oh, that's a good stretch, That was a good stretch, yeah, that was yeah. Like, felt good I wanna, I'm trying to get some like puppy snores Just as like some background noise, you know what I mean? But he's not, uh, he's not you know, chainsawing like he usually Not does. The so. optimal snoring position. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's worse when it gets like right in my ear when they fall asleep. Like, okay, yes, I am one of those people. I do let my dogs sleep in the bed with me. Yes, I have three dogs. Yes, there's dog hair everywhere. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't be that person. I, I, I yeah, I would a hundred. I don't have any dogs. I have two cats, but I would a thousand percent let them sleep in the well, bed. Well, and your cats just tell you to fuck off. They don't want to get in the bed with you. <laughs> They do, just to wake us up in the morning. That Yeah, the wake-up is definitely there. Okay, without too much ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our first segment after the break. Quack or not to quack. Shane, let's go. All right, now that the recruiting dead period is over, JT Tulamalu sets his date to visit Eugene. It's a quack. I mean, just because this is this is red meat for all of us Oregon football fans, you know, that are looking towards the future. And, you know, you look at a guy like KT and what he's been able to do while he's here. And you look at that next wave of um, just elite talent, you mm-hmm. know, coming in. And it's it's funny to me to think back like to the early nineties and just as a, as a, as a little kid duck fan and just to think about like the way that recruiting has gotten so crazy now and the, the recruiting cycles and the, the social media angles and the videos. And it's just, it's created this whole little like subculture mm-hmm. almost. And for Oregon to be a big player in that is just still, it's very, uh, what's it's, um, I can't think of the word. It's like surreal. Almost. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, it's very surreal. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like this is real life. <laughs> yeah, for those of us who are old enough to remember that Oregon not being a top tier national product. Yeah, bro, absolutely. All that kind of uh, pre like Mike Bellotti era stuff. Yeah. So those who don't know, JT Tulamalu is the number one player in the nation. He number is one. a defensive end from Sammamis, Washington. 
Sahamish? 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 I mean, that's kind of our thing. I mean, we just kind of... Sahamish. Yeah, Sandwich. He's from Sandwich, Washington. Uh, Eugene will be fourth on his recruiting trip right there in between Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, He is visiting Washington first. So I think it goes Washington, USC, Ohio State... Oregon, Alabama is his. So to trail. me, that sounds like his top five is Alabama, Oregon, and then because if if I'm a recruit and I'm doing this, I'm gonna visit the school I like the most last. Probably. I mean, it's well, Washington. It would make the most sense to do either first or last. Because as a real estate agent, if I know that a couple or a, a buyer likes a house a lot. I'm going to show them to that one last. Right. I'm going to take them to all the other ones and Build then I'm going to up a little bit. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pick out, Oh, you don't really like that about this place. Oh, but that other place we're going to go look at. It has that, you know, clawfoot tub that you really want with the view. And this place just has, you know, the stand up shower. So you, you kind of build it up the expectations. And then when you get there, you're like, Oh, this feels like home. And all these coaches slash recruiters are hoping that whatever school they're at is his last stop. Absolutely. He doesn't go on those trips. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he'll be in Eugene here, uh, the 20th through the 22nd of this month. Okay. I like it. Good and to hear. So, I mean, that'll be big. And it's, he's been kind of like taking his time with his commitment as I would too. the number one overall and drag it out. Yeah. You make sure you get, that's as, what the kids do these as days. Any back pats as possible, as much clout as they can get. Um, all right. Next one. Moving on. Rob Mullins says he wants to show Ohio state. What pac 12 football is like. You're an athletic director, not to quack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, assistant golf coach Monica Vaughn to play in U.S. Open. Uh, I'll say quack because that's news to me, and it's awesome that uh, a duck is going to be participating in that kind of an event. That's yes. really cool. She is from Reedsport, so she's local product. Local she wins, product, heck yeah. Uh, she played her, her collegiate golf at Arizona State, and she led that team to the Nationals in 2009. Phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. what better place to play golf maybe in the world than Arizona? So yes, good. and she's been trying to qualify for the U.S. Open more than a dozen times. Uh, this time she was out there with the Oregon golf team as they were cheering her on from the section. And she, uh, I guess she shot, she like made some news a few years ago in like a, a charity tournament. She shot like a 61, which like the course record was like 67 or something like that. Wow. So like shattered this record and then went on to to try and qualify for the U.S. Open, kind of botched it. So this year, she was there. Her I was her fiance, her husband was her caddy. She had her golf team there cheering her on. Was able to qualify and is headed there for the first time. Love it, love it. Go Ducks! Next, um, do, do, do. Sabrina Unescu joins Thirty Five Ventures. Now this is a quack. This is another quack because this is. I mean, this was what she graduated with her degree in was you know working in sports management working in sports business this is not a surprise to me getting drafted into a market like New York this is what we talked about mm-hmm. when she landed there the the potential off the court for what she could do with her brand i think it's a really really smart decision on her behalf to partner up not with just a guy like KD but Rich Kleinman cuz he mm-hmm. Rich Kleinman has shown what he's able to do with some of these other clients it's also cool too like they play in the same arena yep so you know, that Barclays Center kind of connection there. And I've liked a lot of what KD has kind of like put his hands on as far as the stuff outside of the game. The boardroom and all the, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, him and LeBron have kind of had like a little bit of a, like a pissing match with what they, their off the court uh, ventures have been able to accomplish. But 
<clears throat> yeah, like you said, being in that New York market and then kind of like latching on to another New York athlete and within the same sport. And I, I'm just a big fan of like the, the NBA, WNBA kind of uh, more commingling, more yeah, commingling. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. TV schedule for Oregon Ducks first four football games has been announced. I'll find out the Friday before, mm-hmm. not to quack. It's all pretty standard stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moving on. Alyssa Brito enters the transfer portal. This is a quack. And because there's a couple other softball players mm-hmm. that also entered the portal. And there's been a couple reporters out there that have put their names to wax and written articles about does Oregon softball have a transfer problem? No, this is, is just fish duck. No, it's the fish duck and a couple other websites. Um, this is the nature of college sports now. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about for the, the women that were transferring for basketball, if they think they have a better opportunity somewhere, I am for it and I support them 100%. Yeah, I could see Alyssa ending up at like an SEC school mm-hmm. uh, with what she was able to accomplish. I mean, I had her third on my Oregon freshman ladder. Mm-hmm. And I think she was definitely like the, the up and coming star on this team. It is a little unfortunate that we're going to have, you know, the McGowans, the Cruises all leaving this team and then, and lose the nun, the next young stud. Yeah. And then yeah. we're kind of losing that, that next wave all at the same time. But I mean, also this, this year, I think with the new transfer rules, we're going to see more of a boom in the, in the transfer itself. I mean, we've talked about this almost at nauseum now, but it, it's it's really in, it's really hip, it's really cool to transfer right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing mm-hmm. Cyrus Abibi Lakio still to this day posting videos on Instagram about his recruiting process, yep. going about to his Boise transfer State. and his land. Yeah. So it's it, it is like the the hot topic Instagram thing to be doing right now, and whether or not that that is her intention, it, I don't know. But it, when you uh, when you brought up SEC, I jumped on here to see where she's from, and she is from Tustin, California. So I'm mm. not sure. UCLA. Yeah, you know, you don't see very many, you know, in conference transfers. This year has definitely been an uh, an anomaly for that because, especially just looking at the UVA women's basketball program, a couple of players landing at UCLA, Arizona, and whatnot. I, UCLA would make a lot of sense, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, I mean, the fact that Oregon got fucking screwed the way they did this yeah. year definitely doesn't help. And being kind of being like, hmm, do I want to attach my wagon to to this? this program and potentially have this happen the next two, three years of my career. Well, and let's talk about the other elephant here in the room. Also that Oregon had very strict COVID guidelines Mm -hmm. and not everybody believes in that, you know? And so I think that there's, there is a little bit of that matriculating into some of these decisions also that, I mean, Eugene's beautiful. I love Eugene, but it's also not for everybody. You know, everybody talks about, you know, it's a beautiful place, but eight months out of the year, you got to kind of find your joy from your somewhere else as opposed to the sun beating down on you. (laughs) Right. And I mean, like you and I are from here. People from here tend to pat themselves on the back about this place a little little bit more than the outsiders who come in. They're like, wow, everybody talks about how awesome it is. And it's not a hundred percent living up to expectations. Yeah. I know an ex-girlfriend that I had that we moved back here together. She was like, this is that awesome haven that you were talking about. And I was kind of like, 
Yeah, I might have might have oversold there. But it is the one thing that's interesting about this transfer is it's one of the first ones that we've seen with the Melissa Lombardi era where she was recruited by Lombardi yes. and then transferred out. So we're not seeing that it's not part of that big exodus. It's not part of that um culture fit slash non-fit that we've seen with some other players. So it is going to be a little bit different, a little bit more about softball, I yep. believe. Oh, and once again, just to reiterate, if she thinks it's better for her career, I fully support. Again, you know, this can go into a, a an interesting conversation here with, you know, workers and, you know, all workers' rights and all that kind of stuff. So, again, if she thinks it's a better decision for her, all power to yeah. her. We'll keep rooting for you, but absolutely, it sucks to see you leave. absolutely. Once a duck, always a duck. All right, Moving last on. last two are st- we're going to stay in the softball realm here. Uh, Brooke Anna is named to third team All American. Love to hear it. Awesome, not to quack. All right, Haley Cruz has a huge week. This is a quack because she had multiple things happen, and she didn't respond to my question when I asked her if we have to change her last name now on our Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I asked her on several different platforms. I'm a little frustrated. Haley, we need to know. We need to know if we can put you in as Haley Cruz or we have to change your last name. But, yes, this is a quack. Tell me more. Uh, yes, so Haley is now engaged to Padres outfielder Garrett Mitchell. I believe so. I think he's an outfielder for let the Padres. Me, I don't. I'll, you keep talking. I'll jump on the gook. Uh, 100%. And then just yesterday uh, announcing the news that she has signed with the United States Softball Association team. The I didn't write it down. I think their name's the Pride. Yeah, the uh, the uh, something Pride, Florida Pride. Some it's a, it's a they're out of Florida, but I they're can't Florida. remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's not a ton of information about that league or that team online. Um, Looks like uh, Brewers, Brewers star Garrett That's Mitchell. It. Yeah, he they must have been wearing the throwback jerseys in the picture. Developmental prospect for the Brewers. Yeah, so good for her. You know, good for her. Uh, it's. Sometimes you forget that these young athletes are also humans and they have awesome things happening in their personal lives. And it's great when they decide to share those with us. So mm-hmm. that and was Haley, really great. Haley has given us a fantastic window into her personal life with the TikToks and everything. And that's one of the things that we really grew to love about her as well as her on the field. Let Haley be Haley. Yep. Being dominant. But yeah, it's just cool. I mean, we... <clears throat> We've kind of like shared the happiness in Haley Cruz's life in this moment is just another one. I will say there was a moment I didn't I forgot about this when we were talking about him last week. Um, when she struck out against Texas in that last game, I'm almost positive I saw the pitcher for Texas look to our infielder and be like, "Let's see her make a TikTok about that." Ooh. So I mean, there was I think a little more edge against that Oregon team than maybe we also considered because of some of the popularity that they had achieved. But it's funny because like with this NCAA Supreme court ruling about like the eventual financial paying of players, from what I understand the, the breakdown in which they will be paid because it's pretty inevitable. It's going to happen. Yes. College Uh, sports is going to change how you know it, but players are going to be paid based on their social media following. That's very interesting. So that they're almost taking that like a social stock market. Exactly. So yeah. So like to get back into that point. Yeah. But so basically, (laughs) that was pre-pod. But yeah, (laughs) the the way that they're gonna basically monetize value for the player for what they bring back to the program is based on their social media following and not necessarily stats and stuff like that. Which really interesting. At first, I was like, 
I was kind of taken back by and I didn't really understand. But the more you think about it, it's really the only way to do it. It's uh, it's not the only way, but it's a way that will make equitable sense. It's the easiest. Yes. Way to do it. That it, and the NCAA is very, very good at taking the mm-hmm. easy way out. Because that way you can kind of be like, look, you have this many people who follow you. So I almost feel like that. I mean, Sedona Prince is a bad example because what I think she was using her social media platform for was to kind of make change, but also like the Haley Cruises and like the the Juju Smith-Schuster kind of types, like that is a way of kind of like getting ahead of the game a little bit. In Look the at Micah Pittman. Sense. Micah Pittman yep. trying to blow up his, you know, streaming and stuff like that. And so, I mean, players and young players are getting smart about developing their own personal brands before they even leave college. Mm-hmm. They're developing these brands in high school. Yeah, and then you can use that brand on the transfer uh, market to which we've wager seen. some things. Yeah, so, which I we've mean, it, seen. it does make a lot of sense. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, so yeah, best of luck to Ms. Haley Cruz. Uh, we will always be a huge fan of her and whatever she decides to do in her life. And again, once a duck, always a duck. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all we got today all right, that's for all she Quack wrote. or Not to Quack. All right, we are now going to move on over to America's second favorite new segment, Three takes. Shane, should I go first this week? I feel like you've gone first every week. I have gone first every week. You want, you want to shake it up? I want to make you go first again. No, I, right, I like right, it. Cool. I like it. <laughs> uh, getting back into the Oregon recruiting season, what position would you like to see Oregon recruiters go after the hardest football? Okay. Oregon football recruiting. Where are they? You mean you got to think like quarterback room's pretty full right now. Yep. Same with the running backs. Um, I think, and this is, this is an area that I'd like to see the ducks just cornerbacks. And I think they're doing a good job of trying to bring in, uh, depth and whatnot in that, but it would be nice to see just a little bit more emphasis placed on really replenishing that DB room. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did see a lot of players leave after this last year. So we're going to have another year of very young secondary Mm -hmm. especially last year i mean the whole opt out thing kind Mm -hmm. of hurt Mm -hmm. um i i kind of want to go the exact opposite wide wide receivers i mean they've also been leaning into that a little bit more as of Mm -hmm. late but i'd like to see some top tier like i'm gonna make some catches in traffic type like big bodied julio jones looking motherfuckers show up in eugene i mean we do have i mean we got like troy franklin and it's, it's, it's on its way up, but I mean, even like Micah Pittman, Josh Delgado are like more of the possession style. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think, uh, does Julio get traded? To the fucking Seahawks. I hope he doesn't go to the Seahawks. I think it's going to happen. Dude. I hope that doesn't happen. All right. What's your next one, Shane? Oh, right. Um, who will lead Oregon men's basketball in scoring this upcoming season? Will Richardson. All right. <laughs> and I say that because I think the bigs are going to create enough. I think they're going to go a lot more pick and roll next year. Yeah. It makes sense. And again, this is just looking at what you have, looking at skill sets that you have. I know Dana doesn't like to run a lot of pick and roll, but if you really, if, if, if you convinced Will to come back to school, you need to almost do it in a way that's going to get him really prepared for the next level. And Mm -hmm. what better way for him to show off his skill set for the next level than to be playing a lot more pick and roll with Biddle, Kepnong, and Dante. Yeah. And especially those guys aren't like major shot creators either. Will Richardson's really the best shot creator on the team. So I 
unless we get Jacob Young coming in from from Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a. Well, I'm curious to see the way they fill out the rest of that backcourt. The the kid from Oklahoma is supposedly really good in the pick and roll game, also. So uh, I I think that Will Richardson will be the team's leading scorer next year. I do year. think that, and the Oklahoma kid's name is I'm blanking on right now. Davion Harmon. Yeah, uh, I do think he'll lead the team in shot attempts. <laughs> from everything I've seen. I, I like it. I like it. All right, what's your third one? All right. Let's see. Do you want to go uh sports non-duck related or something a little weirder? Oh, weird. Give me the give me some weird. Uh what's a food that you dislike that most people like? Oh, that's a good one. I know you came in with I'm, rhubarb earlier yeah, before we started recording. I'm also really picky. Really? Um uh, oh, so, seafood. I can't stand seafood. Just in general? Yeah, just like the salty sea, watery taste, which is hilarious because I love water. Hmm. You know, and I love, I like going out on water. The fishing's weird to me because I won't actually eat what I catch. So that gives me some weird, conflicted moral feelings in there. So you're out there just killing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'd say seafood. And again, I'm a really, really picky eater. Well, then let's go, let's flip this backwards. Okay. What's a food that you, or wait. Yeah, what's a food that you like that most people dislike? Oh, that's a, that's a good See, one. See, for me, it's black licorice. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, well, you've you've seen my weird addiction that I have. Pedialyte? Well, Pedialyte and Ensure. Oh. I'm like I'm a thir- I'm a 36-year-old dude and I'm addicted <laughs> to Pedialyte and Ensure. So, yeah, those Ensure little nutritional shakes. That's probably what I would say for that one. All right. All right. <laughs> Oh, I'm putting too much of my personal life out there. <laughs> but hey, and sure, you know, if you want to give us a little sponsorship or something or send a couple cases our way, that would that would be all right. Strawberry, please. Only strawberry. <laughs> not a chocolate guy? No, I'm not a big chocolate guy. Not a big chocolate guy. All right. Um, a very, very important question for duck fandom, Shane. Puddles or the duck? Puddles. See, I'm the same uh, way. Puddles. It's puddles. All day I saw long. this come up the other day, and I was really surprised at the backlash that a lot of people don't want to call them puddles. It's 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 adorable. <laughs> it it makes sense. It, I don't know. It, it puddles checks a lot of boxes, and uh, there was a my favorite bar back when I lived in Hawaii was a place called the Dolphin Spit Saloon, and the owner the owner of the place, Matt Tomlinson, every time I walked in would just yell puddles because he knew I was from <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> Didn't matter like how far away he was or what the context was or if he was interrupting his own conversation or my own. So that that always sticks with me. I love that. I yeah. love, I'm, a, I'm a puddles guy also. It's got to be puddles. All right. We're in a hypothetical world, Shane. You are the GM of an NBA franchise, and you've been gifted the number one pick. The entire league is in the We're realigning the entire league. So I can like a like a... Fantasy draft. Totally, right? yeah. We're totally fantasy draft. Brand new, all of that. And you're gonna you're you have a 10-year guaranteed GM contract. Who's the number one pick? Man, that is a great question. I was pretty proud of this one. Yeah, that's tough. Um I've been thinking about it a lot, so I can answer if you want to think about it a little bit. Yeah, give me a second. Okay. I this was really, really hard for me, and it's gonna come off as Gross because this is who they're playing right now. I pick Jokic. That was that was actually one of my first. Yeah, it, it's got to be it, to me. It's Jokic or Doncic. Yeah, Doncic's definitely up there. Even though I fucking don't like watching him play, it's, I think it's got to be one of those two guys. Just because of 
Jokic's ability to play this big man style in the new NBA where he can stretch the floor, he can create. He also just plays kind of how I play. Just he's uh-huh. always looking to pass the ball. He's always looking to get his teammates. And he, he makes the water polo background. A little bit of water polo. He actually never played water polo. Oh, really? He Is watched a it a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, he okay, watched okay. But he's also the closest thing in the NBA to Arvita Sabonis right now. Yeah, for sure. And that's one Head of my all-time, all-time, if not my all-time favorite basketball player. So I would probably go Jokic. Uh, you know, other honorable mentions, like I said, Luka's got to be up there. Tatum has got to be considered in the conversation. Yep. Zion, Ja Morant, all these kinds of things. But the main reason why I decided to go big is because you're seeing it happen right now in the Nuggets series. You can kind of find guards. Yeah. You can you can find and it's just a it's a numbers thing. There are just there's more six three people on the planet than there are seven footers. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean So like, I'd go Jokic. I'd like Embiid and Anthony Davis would be up there. The injury thing would be a concern for me. I think I would probably like man. Especially like if I'm starting an organization. Yeah, that's right? the other thing. I'm, I think I'm going Zion. And I love that you and I. Oh, okay, you're going Zion. Because Tell me more. I think you're. You already have like the young like NBA Twitter people like immediately on your side. Yep. Like he's a top jersey seller. Yep. He's going to be a top, all the two K kids are instantly shots. a fan of your franchise. Mm-hmm. I think he's only going to get better um, because I think he's really getting good at the things that are not super inclusive with his unbelievably af- athleticism. Mm-hmm. And I think his like second jump, his rebounding instincts, some of his defensive instincts, and when he kind of like, I hate how much we bring up LeBron, but like when LeBron Drink. started to kind of tool these things, like the the post up game and all this stuff, that when he's like he kind of senses athleticism is kind of dwindling a little bit, even though he's still fucking pretty athletic. I think once those tools start to get in there, and then I think that Zion is a, a person, a human being that really loves basketball to his core. So I think you're going to get a lot of that like Damian Lillard kind of mentality mm-hmm. within him there. I like that. Yep. I think Luca would probably be number two. And I want to clear something up. Last week, I said a lot of things about Luca Dunch. I never said he was bad. Because <laughs> I had a couple of people be like, dude, you like Luca's really good. I'm like, no, I get I it. I get it, yeah. Yeah, it, so it's is James, the James Harden. James Harden thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've actually enjoyed watching Harden more this year than I ever have before because he's not playing that disgusting brand of basketball, mm-hmm. heliocentric like he was before. Okay. Now it's only for one year. Dame, give me Dame. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're let our fandom seep all the way through. <laughs> uh, it would probably again. I just made the argument. You know, you take a big because of you know the the guards being so much more plethora and more but more available. It's it's hard, but yeah, I, I don't think I could not take Dame if I just need to win a franchise, like win a season. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be out there. He's going to give you everything he can every single night. He's going to be a great leader for your team and your community. It just that to me, and we'll get panned for that because everybody else will talk about LeBron or Kawhi or AD or K- KD has got to be up there a little bit in the conversation. Oh yeah, for, sure. for one year, KD hundred percent. KD is probably my number two if I'm going to be he's honest. Especially, like well, well he looks so healthy. He looks yeah. so healthy. So, all right. Last question. We know that Shane's a bartender. We know it's that true. Shane is a a drink connoisseur. It's also been true. really hot the last few days here in Eugene, Shane. What is your go-to cool-down beverage? Ooh. Like, if you want something fresh, 
Something that's going to make you feel good after you drink it. What's your go-to cool-down beverage? Um, I ran a drink special last weekend at work that did really well. It was a Scribbles Bistro. Make sure to go check them out. Yeah, thank you. But it was a muddled basil, lemon juice, rosemary simple syrup, and gin. Okay, all right. I'm a big fan of gin spring summertime. That, that kind of yeah. I can't drink gin, but I understand where you're coming from uh-huh. just because of the light flavor of it. Right, and it has a lot of effervescence. Yeah. And you can pair it with a lot of like herbaceous things, and then create that kind of like springtime mouthfeel already big words that shane's throwing <laughs> but out uh one drink that i like to go to like hot days is uh i do like a rum and kind of like sour mix with soda water Ooh. and top that bitch with some cider oh okay all right so you get that kind of like fruity base with it but you're still getting a little bit of that, mm-hmm. that sounds nice because rum kind of leaves you uh a little bit of like a blank canvas still because mm-hmm. you get like a, a higher sugar content and rum's one of the only spirits too that like doesn't really have rules so you want to go with a nice like silver rum i don't recommend it with a spiced rum or anything gold but it, it has flavor that vodka doesn't have, mm-hmm. but it also allows you to really play with it and really throw some stuff on top of it. Because it's got a better foundation than the mm-hmm. vodka does, too. So then yeah. you do like the sour mix there to add some more flavor and you get some citrus. And then basically, like, you and then the cool part is like whatever cider you have works. Yeah. Any flavor, any, you can almost ask what flavor you want to throw in there. That's, mm-hmm. that's a cool drink. That's, see, and I, I wanted to ask Shane that question because I knew this would get him going. I knew he was, <laughs> you know, talking about his vivacious and whatnot. I'm a simple guy. I've really, I think I've talked about these before. I just really like those bar, boneyard CBD sodas. I have been buying the, I'd need to like get those in bulk somehow. I've been buying them like crazy. I try to drink one a day, just Ugh. a little CBD in there, that little fizziness, the sugar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a soda, so it's got sugar in it, but it's not like that overpowering. I think it's only like 20 grams of it's sugar. A, it's too. less. Yeah, yeah, it's less. And it's local. You know, I dig that too. So yeah, Boneyard CBD sodas. Really been digging the cola lately. Yeah, especially the cola one has caffeine mm-hmm. too. Yeah, cola so one. CBD caffeine kind of like. Speedball. Yep. I've got two of those sitting in the fridge right now, and I got two grapes sitting in the fridge right now. Uh, I like the lemon ginger one. one? What was that? Boneyard makes a great one. Yeah. I might have to send you home with one. They're really good. They have the lemon ginger and the tropical also, but those don't have caffeine in them. So I'll get the lemon ginger sometimes to do like a little nightcap. But yeah, that's been my my go-to lately. So stay cool out there, Duck fans. It is a crazy heat wave here in the Willamette Valley this week. So make sure you're hydrating and all of those good things. But uh, I think that's all I got today. Shane, you got anything else? All good, man. All right. That's all we've got. Thank you all so much for listening. Once again, make sure to go give us um, a like, a subscribe, a share, a comment. We'd love to get some of those five-star ratings also. Go check out westcoastcfb.com. Westcoastcfb.com for all of your West Coast football needs. Absolutely. Um, they've got a couple of new articles this week talking about like best defensive lines and things like that, best defensive units here in the Pac-12. So make sure. We will definitely be getting to more football content as the as the summer goes along here. But kind of dog days right now. Kind of the dog days. Yeah, well, I mean, we still have like it's that, it's that spring sport wrap-up exactly. time right now. We got the uh, NCAA track national championships in town mm-hmm. here pretty soon and tickets on sale on the fourth i think so yeah. yeah i think which is friday friday yes yeah. it is wednesday that we are recording today so if i get this out on saturday you guys know i took too long <laughs> but as always we appreciate you we love you we out peace
Sorry. Now. 